Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown. Today I'll be talking to Akugo Amejulu, who is the author of Community Development as Micropolitics, Comparing Theories, Policies, and Politics in American Britain. Akugo's book is published by Policy Prep, and I had the pleasure to talk to her today. I hope that you enjoy this interview I did. Welcome back to the podcast. As I mentioned, today we'll be talking about the new book, Community Development as Micropolitics, Comparing Theories, Policies, and Politics in America and Britain. I have the good pleasure to have the author of that book with me today. Akugo, how are you doing today? I'm very well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, and I've enjoyed the book and have been looking forward to talking to you, um, in part because what you write about is something that uh, a subject matter that I, that I think is um, very, both very interesting and something that I write about myself. Before we get to the book... Why don't you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a lecturer at the Morey House School of Education at the University of Edinburgh. And for your American readers, a lecturer is the, in a British um, institution is the equivalent of an assistant professor. And um, at the University of Edinburgh, I am a political sociologist and I have interest in um, understanding, exploring the sociology of racial and gender inequalities, as well as the sociology of grassroots political movements. Yeah, this is um, an interesting book because it's both um, comparative, but it's also historical, and it's also theoretical. And, and I think it touches, touches on so many different uh, subfields that I think it, I, I would imagine it draws a quite uh, wide audience for it. Um, let's talk about the book and, and some of just the definitional issues that you confront before we even get into what you analyze. And so, um, yeah, early, early in the book, you, you talk about, I think, what, what must be one of the hardest parts of this, that is simply defining community development. Um, so first, what, what makes defining this term difficult? And then ultimately, what is the definition that you settle on for the writing of the book? Yes. I mean, this is one of these things that when you're um, in this field of community development, it is so hard to define because you're, gosh, well, because first of all, the idea of what a community is, is a contested concept. So, you know, community can either be, you know, this, you know, community of interest, a community uh, based on location and the idea of development, development for who, for what, you know, for what purpose. That's so those two things combined. So those two um, concepts separately are different. And then trying to combine them together makes things even more um, problematic. But then also community development is difficult to define because it really depends on one's own political ideology. And so um, people on the on the right might think of community development as something um, quite narrow, perhaps about advancing you know, individual liberty and these types of things. And those on the left might might see more of the um, collective potentials for social justice. And so trying to figure out and kind of deliberate between these different positions makes trying to define community development a, a monumental task. 
But given all of that, what I've decided to do is define community development as an educational and, um, uh, well, how do I define it again? Oh, sorry, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Because I've gone through all these things about, oh, it's so difficult for this reason and that reason. And now, of course, I'm blanking. But anyway. Yeah, no, but let me, and I, let me just read from the book because I think it would be helpful um, just to kind of get your actual words. Then I can get you to, to comment a little yeah, bit sure. about those. And this is just fairly early, chapter two. And, and what you say is, for the purposes of this book, I define community development as a political and social process of education and action to achieve self-determination and social justice for marginalized groups. So this is that's a big statement. What what does that mean exactly? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I suppose it's trying to think about community development as this ongoing process, this kind of a process of becoming for those who are taking part, um, taking part in this activity. So becoming, and that's really kind of defined by them, right? So is it about becoming in terms of becoming um, critical citizens, becoming in terms of the ways in which they, um, they, they, they uh, think about action, collective action. So it's really trying to, first of all, um, focus on that idea of community development as this dynamic process. The other thing in terms of this definition is trying to really think about community development, um, trying to locate it more clearly within the discipline of political science and really trying to focus on uh, community development as a process of of contentious politics. I think that's really crucial to try to include grassroots actors, kind of everyday local people in the process of doing politics. And so I think that's really important to, to kind of spotlight this idea of kind of everyday local people coming together on their own terms to achieve some sort of goal, but thinking of that as fundamentally political work in which they're trying to achieve some sort of, you know, some sort of kind of self-defined process, but also they're trying to win concessions from both the state and increasingly from the market. Yeah, and one of the things that we want to look at here is the, um, the, your approach, which is sort of how you do this. And you refer to discourse analysis. Yes as the method that you use. I wonder if you could explain just a little bit more about this approach and, and what this approach means for, for just what you did to, to, to base your findings. So, so what have you been up to over the last couple of years in order to come to this interesting book? Yes, well, what I was trying to do by... Um, well, okay, let me back up and say, mo- when, we, when you kind of read quite a lot of um, the, the key texts in the field of community development, they, they all kind of come from a very particular kind of modernist approach that, you know, that treats community development as this fairly unproblematic process. And it's, you know, it treats um, the relationships between local people and, and, and state actors as contentious, but, you know, that, you know, identities are clear um, and it's a, and it's a really kind of commonsensical approach and really uh, that the entire process of community development and the relationships therein, I find are for the most part under theorized, or if they are theorized, they're only theorized from particular perspectives that I think are not kind of, completely helpful in, in understanding kind of the, the dynamic process that's taking place. And so what I wanted to do is try to take it. Oh, and the other thing was what I wanted to do is try to break from a very clear um, from a tradition of treating community development as kind of this narrative, this very clear narrative approach that first we did this, then we did this, then we did that. Um, and so what I so 
I, what I wanted to do was kind of take community development out of that process and look at it from a completely different, and some people would say alien kind of theoretical lens. And so what I chose to do was think about community development as discourse and discourse from a post-structuralist perspective. And just really briefly, I know I, I know some people, their eyes will be glazing over at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just that's. Quite simply, what we're trying to do is think of um, community development as this, um, wow, as a process of language and power and action that constitutes a particular group's identities in certain ways that and in that in many ways frames and, and, and disciplines groups to act and behave in particular ways. So that's really what I wanted to do, was try to, to kind of take community development out of its kind of neat and simple kind of um, constructions in some ways, to try to look, look at it from a different perspective so we can look more clearly at the power dynamics embedded within this process. And maybe that will give us, and I, well, and I argue that it certainly gives us a completely different perspective on the types of claims that community development folks often make about how radical or how empowering this process can be for local people. Yeah, and, and I can say that though though what you've described is is somewhat abstract, the book in fact is actually um, not not applied, but it but it's um, it's it's filled with with sort of reality. And so you take this theoretical um, these theoretical and abstract ideas and apply it to some real things. And let's talk about some of those real things that you you talk about. So in chapter two, you focus on the post civil rights America, and and what you describe as as two community development discourses. I wonder if you can talk in you know, real specific terms about the democracy discourse and the power discourse um, as they relate to this period in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Yes, and this is also um, why I wanted to really kind of ground this work in the kind of real life and, and kind of real policy and, and, and politics was, first of all, to demonstrate that, you know, all this highfalutin post-structuralist theory can actually serve the ends of those of us who are interested in issues of social justice and social welfare. And so that was something that was very important to me to try to link these things, because oftentimes, uh, you know, these are two camps that often don't interact with each other. And so uh, the in my first chapter, what I wanted to do was try was to revisit a key moment in community development, which was how um, how the language, the discourses of the civil rights movement deeply influence the way in which community development thinks about itself and the ways in which practitioners and activists think about their relationships with local people. And so the discourse of the civil rights movement, but specifically the discourse of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, known as SNCC, I was particularly interested in what they were doing because what they were doing isn't often named as community development, but it is. And and what's really interesting is that what the, the kinds of work that they were doing is still deeply influential for a particular group um, of community development practitioners and theorists right now today. Like they look back to what was happening at this moment as, you know, as, as being deeply influential to the way in which they see the world and the way in which they work with local people. And so in brief, the democracy discourse, I name it, um, I named the democracy discourse this um, because what I wanted to do is try to capture SNCC's process of participatory, of enacting participatory democracy with, um, with, um, 
with African Americans in the South at this moment in the late 60s. And what was really interesting about um, the process by which SNCC worked with local African American groups throughout the South was this idea of, of, of naming local people as leaders and as active agents. And that's really crucial um, to my argument uh, throughout the rest of the book, because what's what's particularly interesting and, and when I, I'll go on to talk about the power discourse in a moment, what's particularly interesting is what we see is this I this process of, of naming local people as active and knowing agents is fundamentally radical. But sadly, it's something that seems to have um, that seems to become over time marginalized within the community development discourse in the United States. And so we have this kind of bright spark um, throughout the 60s where, where, um, where people would encounter those who weren't necessarily thought of as legitimate leaders, legitimate activists, legitimate people who understood their social world. And what we see is this was a very short moment in time, a window closed. And so I, what I wanted to do was, was discuss and analyze the processes by which um, the SNCC and the democracy discourse in general tried to make real this idea of, um, of, of radical democracy. And so if SNCC is sort of is at the center of the democracy discourse, who is at the center of the power discourse? Because you 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 um, you. Uh, 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 Compare the two in in chapter two. Uh, who who sits at the center of that power discourse? Yes, well, it's really interesting and slightly controversial too. What in the power discourse? What I've done is try to combine the the theories and practices of Saul Alinsky, you know, famous Saul Alinsky, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and uh, black power activists. Because and it's interesting because as I say in the book, you know. Alinsky and various and the various black power activists actually met and encountered each other in Chicago in the late 60s. And they absolutely hated each other. They just they they did not see eye to eye on anything in terms of the analysis of the social world, the nature of white supremacy, whatever you want to call it. And but I combine them with um, in the book because essentially they're talking about the same thing. And what the power discourse does and what's very interesting in relation to the democracy discourse is that they advance in some ways, actually quite a very traditional view and not particularly radical at all. They advance a, a fairly traditional view of how we think about local people. And that's that. You know, local people, you know, are, are, are bewildered, are mystified, are ignorant, and they require, in Sololinsky's case, um, you know, a visionary organizer, or in the Black Power case, they require they require some form of black leadership, a vanguard, in order for them to be pulled out of their pulled out of their ignorance in order to work for some sort of social change. And I think that's really important in terms of thinking about community development, because what we see during this moment is not only the power discourse. I have another um, uh, I talk about another discourse in this chapter as well. The poverty discourse, which is the um, which is the social policy um, experts working in the Johnson administration's uh, administration um, enacting his great society reforms. And what we see at this moment is is that um, and this is something that we see replicated, particularly in the United States from this moment till today, is that we, we see how the, the elite 
policy actors dominate local people by defining them as, as deficient and lacking an understanding of the world. But also the power discourse does the exact same things, but, but using a revolutionary ideology to, um, to define local people as passive and ignorant and bewildered. And then what we see is the democracy discourse becomes slowly marginalized over time. And it's marginalized for a number of reasons, because, you know, for the most part, the civil rights movement achieved many of its legislative aims, but it's marginalized very clearly by the power discourse to say those highfalutin, airy-fairy ideas of, you know, of you know, participatory democracy and consensus-based deliberations, that's not, that's, you know, those kind of utopian ideas don't have a place for, um, in, in this world, this new world of pragmatic politics and revolution. Uh, Kugo's book is Community Development as Micropolitics, and one of the real interesting parts of this is, is you don't just stay in this time period um, in the United States, you, you also compare this to Britain during the same time period. So what's the difference? Um, what, what is the nature of discourse around community development in Britain during the late 1960s and early 1970s? Do these same patterns emerge, or, or is it to work in a little different way? Yes, I mean, it's so interesting. I tell you, I, living in, in Britain and Scotland in particular has been a real education for me about, in terms of, because I'm originally from the States, um, it, it's been an education in terms of understanding how the state um, both at the local and national level, the, you know, and, and in particular for our purposes in this book, the social welfare state, how that looms large over everyone's lives. And so, you know, conservatives will be all horrified by this. But, you know, for kind of those who are interested in social democracy and social justice, this means that this is kind of an activist and interventionist social welfare state. And what's been very interesting um, it, for me in the writing of the book is that is the comparative analysis to see how in Britain in particular, we see completely different things happening at this moment. Um, so in Britain, what we have um, is uh, I, I, what we have is, first of all, kind of the elite policy actors. So this is something that's similar to what we see in the States at this moment are kind of intervening. You know, they recognize the rapidity of social change and the need for a different kind of and a new kind of responsive kind of social welfare. And. And what we see is the kind of a similar process at work that in defining, you know, you know, um, um, technological change, rapid tech technological and social changes requires a different kind of state. But these kinds of changes render local people passive, bewildered, ignorant and require intervention. And so that's one of the discourses that's very similar to the United States. But we see a different discourse emerge in Britain. And, and what's interesting is both of these require and put the state at the center of action. So the state is the key agent in both of these discourses, even though these discourses are um, are in conflict with each other. And so the structuralist discourse, as I call it um, in the UK context, is um, a discourse that is composed of, 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 of radical community workers who, who were employed directly by the state um, uh, in order to uh, kind of support local people to deal better, to mitigate the effects of, um, uh, of rapid social change at this moment in time. But what we see is, you know, 
you know, the community workers are radicalized at, when they go out into the and in, and in, in, in work in neighborhoods and see how neighborhoods have been ravaged by um, by the the early processes of deindustrialization. You know, and we have this idea of kind of new poverty and new social exclusions are emerging at this time because of changes in, in the nature of technology. And what they say is, you know, the issue here is not about some sort of moral failure of the poor. The issue here is about the, the nature and function of capitalism. And what we need is a different kind of state that can mitigate the effects. And some more, more, more radical people, you know, obviously call for some sort of kind of like Marxist revolution or something. And so that's really interesting. But but again, the same process is at play. So even though the state is the active agent in this in, in the British context, what we see is the same pattern emerge in both Britain and America that with the exception of the democracy discourse, with its emphasis on 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 and this insistence on local people as active agents, all these other discourses, whether they're kind of, you know, black nationalist radicalism or kind of Marxist radicals or, or you know, kind of the moderate social democratic policy walks of the Johnson administration and into the home office under um, kind of Ted Heath at this time. You know, whatever we see, um, regardless of this, what we see are local people defined as passive and incorrigible and require the intervention of professionals and policy elites in order for them to become real active citizens who are able to um, who are able to ah, gosh who are who are able to kind of make sense of their world and to and to act in their world in in, a, in acceptable ways. Yeah, I, I learned so much from the book. Um, I, I was just very impressed by by how you took you know these these um, some of these concepts and apply to things that that you know I, I look at and I, I know other people have uh, looked at from from different perspectives. Um, the book, which is published this year by Policy Press and is available widely at their their website, I'm sure, is Community Development as Micropolitics: Comparing Theories, Policies, and Politics in America and Britain. Akugo, thank you very much for your time today. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure.